Good morning, almost afternoon, everybody. Hello, hello. Good morning. Good morning. So, two Sundays ago, we talked about reaffirming who we are, that the core DNA of Terra Nova, what makes us us, isn't changing. Our core values, our mission statement of making more and better disciples of Jesus Christ stays the same. Last Sunday, we talked about, with Pastor Bill and Pastor Rob, how do we revision? How do we move forward to best accomplish those goals of making more and better disciples of Jesus Christ? And one of the announce, announcements that came along with that, how do we move forward, how do we replant this year, is we're going to be moving to the Troy Boys and Girls Club down the road. And we're going to have one service at 10 a.m. That first Sunday is going to be Sunday, yeah, woo! Sunday, April 11th. So that's the week after Easter. So Sunday, April 11th, we don't want anyone to miss it, so tell your family, your friends, tell your uncle, tell strangers on the road, tell me, tell everybody, April, what is it, April what? April 11th, are we going to be here? Nope, we're going to be at the Troy Boys and Girls Club on April 11th at 10 o'clock. So that's one of the ways that we are revisioning and replanting moving forward as a church. There's a lot of reasons to be excited about, about, this, about this move. And Pastor Bill talked a lot about those reasons last week, partnering with the Troy Boys and Girls Club, more opportunities for outreach, re-engaging with Troy. One of the, one of the things I'm looking forward to the most is, is one service. And one of those reasons, and there's multiple reasons, one of them is that we're going to, you're going to meet some people potentially that have been coming to Terranova Church for years that you haven't met yet. This happened last week, even before we have one service. Last week, I saw two guys introduce themselves to each other, and I thought, both of you have been coming here for numerous years. One of them was here before I was here, over four years ago. And I thought, how in the world have you never met each other? It's amazing. And so you're going to meet some people, potentially, that you've never met one service. It's going to be fantastic. So... How long are we going to be there? That's a good question. The answer is indefinitely. We're hoping to have our own building in the coming years, months, years. And so last week, Pastor Bill said, we're doing, we're doing okay financially. We can maintain where we are, what we're doing. And that's absolutely true. We're doing okay. We can maintain my question is, is that what we want? Do we want to maintain or do we want to grow and press on strong for our future? I, I hope that we're not content to maintain. I would love for us to be able, we have a lot of goals. We would, we would love, as he said, the tsunami of kids coming up in, in youth coming up to have a youth pastor, another staff member to do that, a youth pastor, youth director, to have someone full-time with administration we have goals for that. I would like to see us be able to have our own building in God's time. Also, potentially be able to plant another Terra Nova church in the coming, in the coming years. And if we're going to be maintaining status quo, that's not something we're going to be able to do. I want us to not be content with status quo. I, I hope that we're going to be able to help other churches beyond us, even internationally at some point, to be able to, to be up here and talk about how we're supporting someone planting a church even overseas. 
I want us to not be able to know what to do in the coming months and years with all the ways that God will bless Terra Nova Church as we're faithful and obedient in the area of stewardship. But most of all, I want us simply to be a healthy church in the area of stewardship. So in case you haven't gleaned this yet, what are we talking about today? Because two weeks ago was Reaffirm Sunday, who we are, core values, mission statement stays. Last week was revisioning, how do we replant moving forward. This Sunday we're calling Recommitment Sunday, specifically with our stewardship, specifically with our tithing. Are you all excited to talk about tithing today? Okay. I'll be honest, when I knew I was talking about this, I was not very excited to talk about it. But the more I prepped for this week and the more I thought about what can change if we become an entirely healthy church in the area of giving, it is, it is exciting. So let me, let me give you a definition real quick. What is a tithe? A tithe is taking a percentage of our income and giving it to the local church. A tithe is taking a percentage of our income and giving it to the local church. And I think when I, growing up in church, so very long ago for me, I remember hearing quite a bit about tithing, about giving, about stewardship. Over the past several years, I haven't heard much about it. And I think it's the pendulum effect. I think that we've seen over the last multiple years how talking of tithing and finances has been abused. We've seen the TV evangelists. We've seen the guys that are on, on the stage tell. I saw this, no lie, the guy was talking about tithing and he had his congregation tithe and put money on the stage and he's like dancing in it and like pretending to swim. And I'm thinking that is not how you represent what the church is supposed to represent when it comes to how we use our resources and what God has provided for us. And so perhaps we've swung a bit too far on the other side where we just don't want to talk about it. But you see, Jesus does not neglect to talk about money and how we use it. Jesus does not neglect to teach us about what it means to be a good steward, and so we shouldn't either. When it comes up in Scripture, we're going to talk about it, and specifically, we're going to talk about it today in recommitting to our local church, if Terra Nova is your home church, which I know it is for almost everyone here, recommitting. We have to be able to talk about these things. Now, we did start to talk about this, the area of stewardship and giving, about a year ago when we, a little bit more than a year ago, when we started what we called the We Can't Initiative. Y'all remember that? <laughs> Some of you have asked, have we, what's going on with the We Can't Initiative? And so here's our answer to that. We are no longer doing the We Can't Initiative. With the transition of Pastor Ed, with the pandemic, the plans changed for doing the We Can't Initiative. However, the underlying reason of why we started with the We Can't Initiative has not changed. We saw a lot of room for growth when it comes to our overall health of giving and of tithing in our church. This area of discipleship, and that's what it is. Giving is an area of discipleship for believers, for those who belong to God, for those who are followers of Jesus, how we use our resources and what God gives to us, how we use that and how we tithe or don't tithe is an area of discipleship. It's an area of following Christ. It's, it, it does not have to do with salvation. If, I want to give you an example. In the Old Testament, when the Israelites were led through the Red Sea by Moses, when they were saved out of slavery and oppression, pointing forward to the future salvation of Christ, when they were saved, when they were delivered, the exodus occurred, it was after that. 
It was after they were delivered came the Mosaic Covenant, came the commands, came the, now here's how you live in response to your relationship with God. Now that you've been set free and saved, here's how you reflect God in this world. Giving is an area of discipleship, and it has to do with how we reflect our generous and giving God to the world around us. I want to say and make this really clear. If our tithing goes up, if people that have never tithed start tithing for a motivation other than their response to their relationship with God out of a joyful relationship of wanting to give to what our, our God is doing in this world, if it's some other motivation, guilt or anything else, that is not a win for us. If we don't understand the gift, if we're not part of the family of God, you're not called to give, you're not called to tithe. It's for those who are followers of Christ. So we're going to talk about giving. Here you go. I have some statistics. I don't know if we can get the slide up here. So we have about 90 last names of people that call Terranova Church their home church. About 90 last names, give or take. Out of those 90 last names, we have, and I did since 2021, I looked at since January, and we have about 60 people that are tithing, that would take a percentage of their income and give it to the local church, give it to Terranova. Out of those 60, not everybody does that regularly. So it's closer to about 50 last names of people that have been consistently tithing since 2021. Now, I understand there's one or two uh, families that will give once a year. I'm not including that. But we have about 50 families that are regularly tithing, taking a percentage of their income and giving it to the local church. We have about 15 last names of people that take more what we would call a tip, some kind of loose change and give it as uh, a gift to the church. Now, I'm not including people that don't have jobs. I'm not including, potentially, students that don't have an income. Tithing has to do with your, your income. If you don't have an income, you're not expected to tithe as a follower of, of, of Christ. Um, but whatever income you do have, it's, it's using all that God gives us and giving a percentage of that back to the local church specifically. And we can start them young, by the way. Thankful for my parents teaching me about tithing. They taught me about all kinds of things, how to read, how to, you know, speaking to a big degree, singing, serving, also how to use my, my resources, how to use uh, the money that I received, talking about stewardship, teaching about tithing. We can do that for our kids as well at young ages, how to be healthy in that area of following Christ as well. So, all this to say, Right now, we have 50 last names of people that are regularly tithing. What if we move to have almost all of our people that have an income, that have an opportunity to tithe, that are following Christ? How could that change our church? How could that change our opportunities to serve and to grow and to have more staff positions or our own building eventually? What are some of the ways that God could use obedience in this area for our church. And that is exciting to think about. But we have to start with God. He treasures us. He gave everything for us. It says in 1 Peter, you were ransomed. That means that word ransom means bought back. You were bought back not with perishable things such as silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ. He gave his very life 
for his people. He proved how much he treasured us by giving up everything for us. We don't ever pay that back. We don't ever get close in any way of paying God back for what he's given for us. The point is not to pay back God. If you've heard the statement, if you don't give, you're robbing God, that's it's baloney, okay? That is stinking thinking that will lead to a smelly life and get that out of your brain. It's not true. He owns everything. The point is, God who gave everything for us, when we have that commi- when we are saved by him and we are in the family of God, it's, hey, now that you're part of the family of God, here's one of the ways in your life that you can reflect him well to a watching world, to be generous as our generous God. So I have, a, I have an easy main idea for our message today. Here it is. Let's be a church that gives joyfully, regularly, and sacrificially. Does that statement sound familiar? I hope so, because we say it almost every week, and we're very intentional with, with the words we say. Let's be a church that gives joyfully, regularly, and sacrificially. Whenever we talk about tithing, that's what we talk about. So we're going to break that down into three points. What does it mean to give joyfully? We're going to take a look at 2 Corinthians 9, verse 7. Secondly, what does it mean to give regularly? We're going to look at 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verses 1 to 2. And then what does it mean to give sacrificially? 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verses 1 to 5. And if you're noticing a theme here, the book, the letter to the Corinthians is a good place to go when you're thinking about stewardship. So first, let's be a church that gives joyfully. Let me read to you. You can follow along or it'll be up here. 2 Corinthians 9, 7. Here's what it says. Each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. If we miss the joy in giving, we're missing the boat. We're missing the whole thing. If, if, there's, if there's no joy in giving, we are missing something key when it comes to giving. He wants an attitude of gratitude, and that rhymes, so it's easy to remember. He wants an attitude of gratitude, a worshipful response to our ultimate, cheerfully giving God. Now, I like doing word studies sometimes. This, this word cheerful and cheerful giver, it's a, a Greek word where we get our English word hilarious. Hilarious giver. When you think of, do you know somebody in your life that when they give, you strongly get the impression they're not, they're not trying to get something back from you. You strongly get the idea that there's no cords attached to this. They're a hilarious giver. That kind of giver. It's not the kind of giving where your friend says to you, well, I guess here's some gas money, you know. I guess here's this thing. No. God loves a cheerful giver. That's the kind of giver he wants us to be. How should we not give? Well, he tells us right here, not reluctantly, not compulsively. You should never feel like your arm's being twisted to give or being coerced or tricked to give. It should never be that way and may it never be that way in our church. He wants us to give joyfully, voluntarily, wanting to. So let's be a church that gives joyfully. I'm going to move to the next one. Let's be a church that gives regularly. 1 Corinthians 16, 1-2 is where we get this principle. Now concerning the collection for the saints, as I directed the churches of Galatia, so you are to do. On the first day of every week, each of you is to put something aside and store it up, as he may prosper, so there will be no collecting when I come. Paul is establishing in the early churches 
this routine of putting aside a portion of their income and giving it to the local church routinely, regularly. Somebody asked me after the first service, does that mean it has to be once a week? And I said, I don't think so. I think the principle here of routinely putting aside money from our income to the local church regularly. Why? Well, in this example, there's a specific need. Paul's saying to the churches of Macedonia, <clears throat> Paul's saying to the church of Corinth, sorry, that the, the Jerusalem saints were suffering because there was a famine going on and they needed relief for them. And so he's saying, put aside those tithes so when he gets there, he can collect them and go help the saints in Jerusalem. There's always specific needs. We have, for example, a benevolence fund where, which we would like to be able to grow when people are in need or it's suffering in some way and there's some, some specific need we can give towards, we're able to do that as the body of Christ. That's one example. We also have general needs, routine needs that, that any local church will have to continue to function, to have staff, to be able to pay rent. We could go on and on with general needs. And by the way, I want to point out the parallel of the way God brought up his people in the Old Covenant and the New Covenant. In the Old Covenant, the Levites were specifically assigned to take care of the temple, to lead the people in worship, and the, the rest of the people of God paid for them to do so. In the New Covenant, there's a similar approach where the leaders of the church are paid to lead in that way. There's all kinds of regular needs that are used as for regular giving. giving. He's establishing a regular rhythm of giving. In the normal Christian life, you are making a living, you're making your way, you're able to be generous, and you're able to be able to give toward your local church. Now, I'm going to say specifically that our local church, biblically, is the primary investment. If the goal, if the goal of our lives is truly to make more and better disciples of Jesus Christ, I think we should do it the way God prescribed for that to happen. So in the New Testament, the word for local church, ecclesia, is used 115 times throughout the New Testament. That's a lot of time. It talks a lot about the church. Five of those times, for you um, people that are interested, five of those times it's used more generally about assembly or gathering, but 110 times it's used to talk about the local church. God sees the primary means of making more and better disciples as occurring through the local church. <clears throat> Does that mean that there aren't other good examples of where we can give? Absolutely there are. There's so many examples of volunteer organizations, whatever, that we can give towards. Great. However, he didn't say the gates of Hades will not prevail against this parachurch ministry. He didn't say the gates of Hades will not prevail against this other idea we had to try to help humanity. He said the gates of Hades will not prevail against his church. It's the primary means of making more and better disciples. And we're called as followers, as believers in Christ in this area of discipleship to follow along and to give joyfully, regularly. So let me talk to, to those who are giving regularly, tithing regularly. Here's, here's what I'd like to say. First of all, thank you. <laughs> I wouldn't be here. If we didn't have people in Terra Nova that were giving regularly, you would not have had a church residency program in addition with all the other ways that you're serving and hiring staff and all that, to be able to try to build towards the future of developing leaders and church planters and pastors, you hired me because you, there was a, a group of people in our church that were giving regularly. So first of all, thank you. And there's a whole bunch of other reasons we would want to thank you for regularly following in this area of discipleship and giving towards the local church. We exist 
through that in, in, some, in, in one way. But also, here's what I want to say to regular, to regu- people that are regularly tithing with an income. Try not to get stuck, and I know I'm talking to myself, in the routine of you have the same idea of what, what the number should be, and at times you don't even really think about it. I do this, right? Instead, have it be each season, each, each time that you make it a worshipful experience to God and you think about, as he says here in verse 2, as you may prosper. So as, as life changes, as life circumstances changes, for better or for worse, I should be going back routinely and checking, okay, Lord, based on what I have received, which is all from you in the first place, what now can I give to your church? Don't make it into this rote thing you don't think about, routine. For those of you who are not tithing or are tipping with an income, you have an income, and you're not tithing or you are tipping or not tipping, but you're not tithing, here's what I'd like to say to you. And it's it's pretty simple. It's this. It's, It's the time to be faithful and obedient in this area of discipleship, in this area of following Christ, Maybe you trust him with a lot of other areas, but the area of your own finances, maybe it's been tougher to trust him. I'm, I'm asking you, I'm calling you to trust God with your money as well. Trust God in this area of discipleship, of giving, and follow him accordingly. So, some of you may be asking, okay, I like very black and white things. I like to know what I need to do. What do I need to do? So you might be asking, okay, well, then what am I supposed to give? How much am I supposed to give? And I wish I could answer that question. I can't. I really can't. The Bible doesn't give us a percentage or a number. God doesn't say, here's exactly, Tori Arneson, what you need to be giving in the month of, what month is this? March of 2021. It's not, it's not what he does. He doesn't give us a percentage. He doesn't give us an exact number, but instead... We are to routinely go back to him and say, Lord, help me know at this part in my life, in this season of my life, how I should be honoring you in the area of tithing. We don't know, don't know the exact number, but we do know this theme of being sacrificial. Check out 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verses 1 to 5. Here's what it says. We want you to know, brothers, about the grace of God that has been given among the churches of Macedonia. For in a severe test of affliction, their abundance of joy and their extreme poverty have overflowed in a wealth of generosity on their part. For they gave according to their means, and as I can testify beyond their means, of their own accord, begging us earnestly for the favor of taking part in the relief of the saints. And this, not as we expected, but they gave themselves first to the Lord and then by the will of God to us. Notice how he starts with God. He says, I want, you to tell, I want to tell you about the grace of God in those churches in Macedonia. It was the grace of God. It was the gift of God that they were giving at all. It was the gift of God that they had the desire to give. That is a great prayer for our church. Lord, would you grant us the desire to want to be people to give? It starts with God. He gave God the glory that they were giving in this way, even out of their, we'll see in a second, extreme poverty. God gets the glory. I, I thought about 1 Peter chapter 4, where Peter will say in verse 11, if anyone speaks, let it be God's words. 
If anyone serves, let it be with the ability that God provides, so that in all things, God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. We can relate that same idea to our giving. In our giving, may God be glorified. May we be inspired, empowered, desire even, come from God, his grace, his gift to give us that. We so easily like to make it about ourselves, don't we? So quickly, we're just prone to make it, bent to make it about us rather than God and his gift in giving us even the desire to give. What a privilege that is. He owns everything. And he allows us, even gives us, Deuteronomy 8 says, the ability to work to make a living. And even the act of giving is going to be a gift from God as well. It has to start with him. In fact, that's why the Macedonian churches, he says, were eager to give. They were eager to help with the relief of the saints, it says in verse 5. They were actually eager. Why? Verse 5, it says, they gave themselves first to the Lord and then by God's will to us. It's this personal relationship with God where we go to him for everything, including how we are using our resources. May it start with God. He's also the one that sustains us in all seasons. Notice he says in verse 2, even out of their extreme poverty, that word could be translated, that phrase, rock bottom. Even though the Macedonian churches that had hit rock bottom, they were experiencing persecution at the time, they were not nearly as well off as the Corinthian church that Paul was writing to, and yet they were giving sacrificially. They were giving above and beyond their circumstances financially. Now, here's, here's a question. Research is done on this. It seems that the more income people make, the less percentage they give away. Did you know that? The more income people tend to make, the less of it they give away. Why is that? How come the more people tend to make, the less they tend to give? I think it comes down to this simple, scary word called greed. Now, here's the interesting fact about greed. Almost nobody thinks they're guilty of it. And yet, Jesus warns more about greed than he does about sexual morality. Is that surprising to us? He warns more about greed than he does about sexual immorality. Do you think there's a reason why he talks about it so much? Do you know the Bible talks about and warns about the love of money more than it does any other sin? And yet, how easy it is for us to think that we're immune to that, or that somehow maybe other people are guilty of greed, but not us. How easily riches become an idol. Listen to the words Jesus says about that, the love of money. How easy it is for it to become an idol, how difficult it is for us to see when we're the ones in the bear trap of this idol. What are we doing with our resources? Are we using it to love God, to love people? Are we honestly before God saying, Lord, with all that you give me, help me make more and better disciples of Jesus Christ? I know I need to be asking myself this same question routinely. Lord, help us in this area. So, back to the question. What should I give? Do you know how, much, how often I would love God to just yell through a megaphone exactly what I need to do? It's not what he does. It's between us and him. 
Bible doesn't give me a percentage or a number, and it doesn't give you one either. In the Old Covenant, it did. They were to give 10%, it's actually a bit more than 10% of all of their income back to the temple, temple services, Levites, caring for the poor, about 10%. In the New Covenant, it says to give generously. It doesn't give us a percentage, it doesn't give us a number. It says to give generously. And we see these, these themes throughout of giving regularly and joyfully and sacrificially. But what does that mean for us? There's, there's examples. There's examples like Barnabas who sells a field and lays the money at the apostles' feet. There's examples like Zacchaeus who gave away half of all he owned and paid back fourfold all the people that he wronged. And that was a lot of people. We have the one example of the rich young ruler where Jesus confronts him and says, sell everything you own. Give it to the poor and follow me. Now, I want to say, if you think that selling everything you own is the way to go, make sure you get a lot of counsel before you do that, because I'm not driving you around everywhere. <laughs> okay? Make sure you get a lot of counsel in that one. There's one example of that. Having resources, we've said this so many times, is not wrong. There are wealthy, there are the righteous rich and the righteous poor, and there are the unrighteous rich and the unrighteous We have the example of the parable of the Good Samaritan. How did he help that person that was in need? He paid for his hospital bill. He took him to the place with his his donkey or horse or whatever. He had resources that he was using to love that person in that moment. How do we, Lord, know what to give? If it had to boil down to one word, here's my word I'd give you. If you're asking, what does it mean for me personally to be sacrificial in my giving, it comes down to this one word. Reliance. Reliance. What do I, Lord, with what you've given to me, how can I give in a way that I will be reliant on you, Lord God? A lot of things to think about. But I want to address one more concern that we have. And it's pretty simple. No matter what I say, no matter what maybe we read, no matter what experiences you go through, it's so difficult for so many of us to trust God with our money, isn't it? It's an area of discipleship. Like so many other areas, it's, th- it's, it's something that we have to deal with and figure out in our own lives how to use in a way that's honoring to God. But man, it can be so difficult to trust him with our money, to trust him with what we think is our future, depending on what that number is. Trusting him in so many areas that money affects in our lives. It comes down to faith. The fundamental remedy of every need is faith. Please don't forget that. Every single one comes down to our faith in God. Can we trust him with that too? God treasures us. He really does. He gave up his life for us. He has welcomed us into his family. And the more we treasure him, the more we're going to treasure the things he treasures. We're going to treasure his church. We're going to want to be two feet in. We need to be all in, all of us going forward for Terra Nova. He'll change us more and more to treasure what he treasures. What may it look like if we took this area, stewardship, seriously here at Terranova Church. It's up to us to decide. As the band comes back up, I'm going to read you two quotes. I'm going to read to you what our website says about giving, and then I'm going to end with a quote 
about what God gave for us. Here's what it says on our website. At Terra Nova, we profess that our sovereign God owns everything, and he provides according to his steadfast will and plan. We encourage members of Terra Nova to live lives that are abundantly generous and sacrificial. Through giving regularly, joyfully, and sacrificially, those words again, we remind ourselves and demonstrate to others the truth of the gospel of Christ, that the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ is the most generous gift ever given. When we give as Christ gave, we joyfully become poor for the sake of others. We recognize, recognize Christ as supreme in our lives. We place reliance on him to provide our needs, and we can begin to remove the idol of money and consumerism from our hearts. Our God gives joyfully, a hilarious giver, regularly, every day in our lives, and sacrificially. Peter words it this way in 1 Peter 1, that we were ransomed, we were bought back from the futile ways inherited from your forefathers, not with perishable things such as silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ. Amen.